Hi, and welcome to Him We Proclaim with John Fonville. We're continuing our worship series called The Gift Giver and His Gathered Guests. Throughout each of these messages, we're learning more about historical church liturgy. Why do churches practice things like baptism, Lord's Supper, and more? Not only do these weekly practices teach us about the triune God we worship, it's also a foretaste of fellowship and community that will characterize the new heavens and new earth. Let's listen now to a message called The Gift Giver and the Blessing Community, Part 2. The gift of peace comes from the gift giver, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And this gift of peace that he gives to us, as we've looked at previously when he comes to greet us in the service, this gift of peace is reconciliation with God. He reconciles his enemies to himself and announces peace to them. You heard that in the absolution this morning where Paul says, therefore, having been justified by grace, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. There is no warfare. We're not his enemies. He has reconciled his enemies to himself by the blood of the cross. And then this gift of peace from the gift giver is this subjective, inner, quiet, comforting. It is assurance. Assurance that results from our justification and adoption of sons that all is at peace. And therefore, I have peace in my heart. All is well. And so here, Jesus in John chapter 20 greets his disciples as the one who has actually merited this peace for them. He just did this for them, and now he gives this peace to them. Peace be with you. Let's look briefly at the letters of the Apostle Paul. When we look at the letters of the Apostle Paul, various forms of this Christianized version uh, of this ancient Jewish greeting, it appears all over Paul. I want you to picture in your mind that when these letters from Paul were being read publicly to the church in corporate worship, where they were, the congregation was assembled for worship, they were hearing the Lord's ambassador, official spokesman, the apostle Paul himself, pronouncing God's blessing of grace and peace upon all who were gathered right there. So I want you to picture this. First century, they didn't have the, they didn't have the written New Testament letters yet. So this is why the word had to be read in corporate worship and why we still do it today. Uh, Timothy, give attention to the public reading of Scripture because it is the chief means of grace. It is the way God reveals himself to us in saving grace and power. So we're sitting here. We've never read. We've never read these letters. And all of a sudden, you hear Paul the apostle pronouncing the blessing of God of grace and peace upon your life. Listen to this. Paul concludes his letter to the Galatians with this congregational salutation. He concludes it, Galatians chapter 6, verse 18. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. Now again, spirit, it just simply means the whole of who you are and your entire being. What did the Galatians, what did they need most in their, in their churches? Grace. Because what were they leaving behind? Grace for a conditional covenant of cursing. So Paul expresses his desire for the grace of God to abound among the Galatians. That the grace of God would move in the whole of their being as he concludes this letter. He has this prayer wish that the grace of Christ will be the portion of the believers in Galatians. It's what they needed. It's what we all need. 
Listen to Philemon 25. Paul concludes this little brief letter to Philemon with a nearly identical concluding blessing as in Galatians. Philemon verse 25, he says this. He says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Philippians chapter 4 verse 23, Paul says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 22 is actually probably the closest scriptural approximation to the salutation, the Lord be with you and also with you, that we have in the New Testament. And so Paul concludes his letter to Timothy. Timothy, the Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. From the context of First and Second Timothy, we know that Timothy as a young man was weak and fearful because of the conflicts he was facing in Ephesus to the churches, and he was teetering on maybe not being faithful, and he needed to be strengthened. And so what did Paul strengthen him with? Timothy, the Lord be with your spirit. A prayer wish. Grace be with you. The grace of God, the presence of God, the blessing of God. Timothy needed this to be strengthened to fulfill his ministerial duties in difficult situations. And that's what we need in our life, in difficult situations. That's why the liturgy will come back to it. It's so important to hear this week after week. And so these are some places where we see these opening and concluding congregational salutations in both the Old and New Testament. The congregational salutation highlights and directs us into the new community that we are participating in. What is that new community? It is a community of of blessing. It is a blessing community. The liturgy doesn't create this new community of blessing. But the liturgy, the Lord be with you and also with you, week after week after week, shapes and forms us. It highlights and directs our hearts and faith to the fact that we are in this blessing community because of the triune God who has given to us grace and peace, his gifts to us. It creates this. It directs us to it, and it helps us and shapes us and forms us to give blessing to one another, teaches us to be a blessing community to each other. So, for example, the opening acclamation, this is how it works. Blessed be God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And blessed be his kingdom now and forever. Amen. So by constantly returning to God and the kingdom, the liturgy, listen, is announcing another order of reality into which we are being called. Let me say that again. By constantly returning each week to this acclamation, returning to the triune God, to his kingdom, the liturgy is announcing that we are being called into and directed into another order of reality, a new community that we're participating in. You see, the liturgy is not about us, but it is for us. The liturgy is about the triune God, the gift giver, and his kingdom into which he calls us. That's what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 12, that we are to live worthy of the one who calls us into his eternal kingdom. Listen to what Mark Golly says about this community that we are brought into. He says, the gift of liturgy... And it is precisely why I need the liturgy. 
is that it leads away from the self and points me toward the community of God. The liturgy first leads us to the triune God. In the beginning was God, and that means in the beginning was relationship between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We don't worship a solitary mono-God sufficient unto himself, but one who has existed from eternity in self-giving love among the members of the Trinity. If God is Trinity, is the core of reality of the universe, that means that the core of reality is community. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, the Apostle Paul puts it this way. He, God the Father, delivered us from the power of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son. We have been brought into, transferred from, delivered from a fallen community, transferred into the new community of the kingdom of God the Father, and God the Father loves his beloved Son this triune community of grace and peace. And then in the congregational salutation, we're not praying by ourselves. We are praying together as a community, as one body for one another. The liturgy does more than lift us out of solitude, Mark Golly writes. He says it calls us into a community of flesh and blood, real people. While the prayers can be said alone, they are designed to be in a tangible fellowship of prayer. Like a compass pointing true north, they point us to the church. The liturgical prayers draw us together like tributaries into a river. It's beautiful. And so we as individuals, we do come to church as individuals from all different types of backgrounds and ages and ethnicities and education and social economic levels and we all gather as individuals we're coming as individuals different but then we come into this new community created by the triune god who has called us to assemble together as one body in christ And so Mark Golly says they have been individuals, but some white, some black, some poor, some rich. But now they have been called to come together in one place to bring their lives and their, quote, world with them and to be more than what they were, a new community with a new life. St. Paul puts it like this. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Do you know what the church's demographic is? There is one demographic for the church, and it is in Christ That's why I get so tired of hearing churches. Oh, how are we going to reach the millennials? How are we going to reach the baby boomers? And they divide up the congregation and destroy unity. People have always asked me, why do young people come to your church? What's your strategy to reach the young people, the millennials in your church? I don't have one. 
Do you want to know what my strategy is? It is preach the gospel to the whole creation because everybody has two demographics. They are in Adam lost or they're in Christ reconciled. And so both the acclamation and the congregational salutation highlight and direct us to the new community that we're participating in. This is no ordinary community that we're experiencing right now. This is not ordinary fellowship. Every Lord's Day, we have a foretaste of the perfect fellowship and community that, we will, that will characterize the new heavens and the new earth. Every Lord's Day, this is a foretaste. In the public service, this is not just a story that we're talking about. Listen, it is actually happening here and now in our midst. By the preaching of the gospel, the key of the kingdom that opens up the kingdom of God to sinners, by the preaching of the gospel, God by the preaching of the gospel, the key of the kingdom that opens up the kingdom of God to sinners, by the preaching of the gospel, God's kingdom comes powerfully by the Holy Spirit. His will is being done on earth as it is in heaven right now, creating this new community. The triune God of grace and peace, the gift giver coming in power comes, God's kingdom comes to create grace and peace. It comes to create a blessing community. The Lord be with you and also with you. You don't find that in any other community in this world. God's kingdom comes to create grace and peace, a blessing community. Why? Because the preaching of the gospel and the administration of the sacraments, the gifts of God for the people of God, they're not just occasions for you and I to act. The preaching of the gospel and the administration of baptism and the Lord's Supper are occasions, listen, and means for the Father's action in the Son, by the Holy Spirit, every time. These are his acts. These are his gifts. And in relation to God in corporate worship, we are passive recipients of blessing. And having received that service of divine blessing, we then, in turn, give that to others. And we become a blessing community. Isn't that beautiful? That's what the gift giver does in corporate worship. This is why liturgy is so important. The kingdom of grace is landing, listen, in the middle of us, week after week, turning barren desert into a lush garden. I want you to listen to Isaiah chapter 51, verse 3. For the Lord comforts Zion, his people. He comforts all her waste places, Broken, fallen, fighting, warring, factious communities, ripped and torn apart at the seams, right? But when it comes to the community of the church, he makes her wilderness like Eden, her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her, thanksgiving and the voice of song. That's beautiful. That's what the gift giver brings. 
Prison doors are being unlocked. The Father, Colossians 1.13, is delivering captives from the power of darkness and transferring them to the kingdom of his beloved Son. And so before we can bless others, the congregational salutation, we have to be recipients of divine blessing, God's greeting, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And having received those gifts of grace and peace, the Lord be with you and also with you. This repeated practice of congregational salutation is the way that the triune God rehabituates our loves, not only toward his kingdom, but toward one another. You're taught in the liturgy every week as believers who have received blessing to bless others. Blessed to be a blessing. Now, I realize that for some, myself included, the church is a community of blessing. The church is a community of grace and peace. Oh, that sounds so good, but that's not been a reality for me. I can tell you, having worked in the church since I was 18, in many different churches, in different settings, different cities all over the you know, I had a youth group one time that had 600 youth, and I was in charge of 159th graders as a freshman youth pastor. I've worked in all different cultures and settings. I've been all over the world. I preached all over South Korea. I loved it. I'd like to go back. I preached in Cambodia. I preached in a lot of places. I preached all over Cuba. Lots of different contexts, lots of different people, lots of different things. I've gone through lots of different experiences in the church. I've had a pastor get so mad at me in a pastoral staff meeting, he missed my face and his fist went through the wall. Wasn't much grace and peace at that moment. So I realized that for some, that this sounds so good. The church is a community of blessing. Yeah, right. It's tough to swallow, Mark Golly says, for some people. And I get that. Listen to what he says. He says, the church has always been a worrisome and dysfunctional place for a community destroying sins. Gossip, anger, envy, pride, among others, are fruitful and multiply. We rightfully expect much of those who publicly claim allegiance to the kingdom of God, and we are rightfully resentful when the church instead looks like a failed state. Golly continues, he says, no wonder many disciples bitterly abandoned the church, striking out on their own, hoping against hope that maybe as individuals shorn of religion, they can scale spiritual heights. But he says, granted peaks do offer sweeping vistas, but they're lonely places. You see, what spiritually mature believers have come to understand is the truth of 1 John chapter 4, verse 20. They know that they cannot ultimately love God whom they have not seen if they cannot love those whom they can see, 1 John 4.20. You see, when the liturgy places us squarely in the life of the church community, it does so, Mark Golly says, without any illusions. This is why we have a time of corporate confession every single week in the liturgy. We come confessing our failures to love God and to love our neighbor as we should. 
And so the corporate prayer of confession assumes that worship takes place week in and week out in a deeply flawed community, right? It takes place in a community that has been constituted by the Trinity and it is destined for life in the kingdom, but it is full of people who need to confess their sins and pray for one another. That's what the liturgy teaches us. And so the liturgy highlights and directs us into community, divine and human. What is the first community? We said it, the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who empowers this liturgy with his living presence. And then the second community that the liturgy directs us to is the community of the church. The liturgy comes with the church. And the church is the work and creation of the triune God who places us into this new community with a new life that is marked by grace and peace. You haven't chosen your neighbors in this community. God has. And the people you're sitting next to are not your demographic. They're your brothers and sisters in Christ. God has given you this community as a gift. And in this community, blessings, special prayers to God are offered by one Christian, asking God to bring his gifts of grace and peace to another Christian. I want to be a part of a community like that. Don't you? This is what the liturgy teaches us. As we finish in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 16, the Apostle Paul gives a concluding Closing salutation, a congregational greeting as he closes. And listen to what the Apostle Paul says, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 16. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with you all. In the context of 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 16, This benediction is related to Christ bringing peace. He brings the gift first. And this is a wonderful blessing for the church, for modern Christians to give each other. Anybody else in the body hurting? Anybody else in the body having trouble, going through a hard time? What do you need to hear? Oh, just bite your bottom lip and try hard, right? That's all the world can give. No, we're not Stoics. The Lord be with you. In troubled times, if you're going through medical treatment, if you're facing surgery, if you, if you have a forthcoming confrontation at work with your boss, the fellow coworker that you're not getting along with, if you have conflicts in your marriage, if you're having a hard time with your friends at school, Speak a word of blessing. Speak a word of blessing. The church is a blessing community because of the triune God. It's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing when we're going through life to always know that we have a sense of the presence of the Lord Christ and his benefits in our life to be with us, isn't it? We need that. So we don't do this mechanically. We don't do this throw away in the church. We don't just say, oh, the Lord be with you, also with you. Okay, now let's pray and go on and let's get on with it. That's not what it is. The Lord be with you. Yes, you are giving your brothers and sisters in Christ in the church 
pastor and congregation mutually dialoguing together, giving and asking to have blessing, asking God in the presence of your friend that Christ's special presence would be with him, would be with her. Only a community created by the triune God can create that kind of a blessing community. And so the Lord be with you. And you say to me, let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for this this wonderful gift. We thank you for the blessings that you give to us in this life. The gift giver, the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And as we come to your table this morning, we recognize that in this sacrament, in holy communion, we are communing, participating in the death of Christ in a profound way. It is at this meal that we share together that we participate in real, lasting community, won by the blood of Christ. And so turn our hearts away from self and fix our hearts on Christ, on your kingdom, and on one another. We pray this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks, John. The message you just heard is called The Gift Giver and the Blessing Community, Part 2. More from the series coming up next time. The heart of Him We Proclaim is to bring you the gospel of good news each weekday. With each message, our prayer is you would hear, believe, and enjoy the gospel in your life. If you want to re-listen to or share any of these messages, you can find our smartphone app or locate our podcast by searching for Dr. John Fonville or Him We Proclaim. Him We Proclaim is a broadcast of Dr. John Fonville. If you would like to learn more about his local church in Jacksonville, Florida, you can visit ParamountChurch.com. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time.